0: Hello and welcome to On Walking the Way. This week we're going to continue our journey through James and we're going to look at the surprising source of temptation. To be human is to face temptations of all kinds. Jesus was tempted in all ways as well, yet he did not sin. Too often, though, we tend to think of temptation as some kind of external or even demonic or satanic force that is attacking us. But the truth is even more disturbing than an external demonic attack. Today, we're going to look at the source of temptation and sin, and it is not pretty. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. LET NO ONE SAY WHEN HE IS TEMPTED, I'M BEING TEMPTED BY GOD. FOR GOD CANNOT BE TEMPTED WITH EVIL, AND HE HIMSELF TEMPTS NO ONE. BUT EACH PERSON IS TEMPTED WHEN HE IS LURED AND ENTICED BY HIS OWN DESIRE. THEN WHEN DESIRE HAS CONCEIVED IT GIVES BIRTH TO SIN, AND SIN WHEN IT IS FULLY GROWN BRINGS FORTH DEATH. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first roots of his creatures. Well, God is good. We've talked about this before, but the first lie the snake told us was that God was withholding good things from us, and therefore, if we wanted good things, we were going to have to take them for ourselves. In other words, God is not good and cannot really be trusted. But did the temptation really begin with the snake or did it begin someplace a lot closer to home? What were we doing under the one tree that God told us we could not have? Why were we examining its fruit to see if it might be good to eat? Why were we interested in a source of knowledge that God had forbidden? The snake did not give us our wandering desires. He simply exploited them. The actual pressure to sin was not external, it was internal. James says we're lured and enticed by our own desires, so it seems that the true root of our trouble begins with our own desires. But are these desires universally evil? Well, no, but also yes. Take hunger. It lets us know when it's time to eat. However, that same desire can cause us to steal or even to kill. At this point, we're talking about temptation or enticement, not sin. But James describes our desires like they are living things, things that conceive and give birth. They're not static or harmless. They're relentless and progressive. And what do they progress to? Well, James tells us that When our desires conceive, they give birth, so to speak, to sin. And when sin grows up, its child is death. So let's look at this whole passage together for a second. This little passage is an example of of what is sometimes called an inclusio, which is an idea sandwiched between two instances of another idea. It is a technique used in the Bible for emphasis at times. So, here's the big picture inclusio of what James is saying. God is good. He's not the source of temptation and evil. Our desires, on the other hand, lead us to sin and death. And then he wraps this little inclusio up with God is good. All good things come from him and he never changes. The point here, when you see these ideas together, is pretty obvious. James does not want his readers to forget that sin comes from us and only good things come from God. It seems then, as now, people are all too eager to blame others, the devil, or even God himself, before considering the role of their own evil hearts in their failures. So are we doomed? How do we overcome ourselves? When I think of this, I'm reminded of my dad who used to tease me when I was trying to impress him. And he'd say, That's nothing. Why, when I was young, I could jump in a bushel basket and lift myself ten feet in the air. It made me laugh, because even then I knew you couldn't lift yourself into the air. I mean, not ten feet, anyway. Funny how we think we can lift ourselves all the way up to God, though. Faith is believing that Jesus has done what we cannot. Faith is believing that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Our desires flow from our old natures. But we are not who we were. Through Jesus, we have died, and the enslaving power of those desires died as well. Believing this and walking in that faith is true freedom. We are not doomed to live a life of endless failure. So this week, let's not live as though nothing has happened. Let's not act as though we are on our own against our desires that entice us to evil. This week, let's remember that our new creation in Christ is an eternal life destined to be conformed to the the image of his Son, as Paul says. When our desires rise, let's remember that Jesus has conquered the cross and is more powerful than our desires. And the Holy Spirit now does in us what we are not able to do for ourselves. And let's encourage each other with that truth. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh Romans 8, 3-6 You see, our temptations spring from our own desires. That's true. But something greater than our desires is at work in us. Because God really is good. Have a great week.